What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Just Friends. I'm your host, Mitchell Embry, and this week I was so excited to be joined in the studio by our friend, the lovely and talented Miss Kelsey Lee. So I met Kelsey in high school. My friend Kyle, who hasn't been on the show yet because he's a jerk, he was dating at the time his current wife, Jessica, and Kelsey and Jessica were friends. They both went to school at Manual. So of course, being the friend of my friend's girlfriend, I had a huge crush on Kelsey in high school. But even back then, she was really invested in music. But then over the years, kind of following her on social media, as one tends to do with some of their friends who they've lost contact with, it was awesome to get to see her music career kind of expand and grow and see her kind of experiment with other bands and doing cool things with music. And getting to hear that whole story told today on the podcast was really, really interesting. First off, the story about how her parents meet is phenomenal. And then her experiences playing music and getting to open for bands like Bruno Mars are really, really fascinating and fun to listen to. So I don't want to keep talking and keep you guys from hearing this awesome story. I hope that you guys appreciate and enjoy the conversation that you're about to get to listen to. And so now, without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce to you our friend, Miss Kelsey Lee. All right, so Kelsey, I guess we're officially starting now. I guess I'll get closer to the mic, project my voice. <laughs> it's nice having somebody on who feels comfortable talking into a microphone. Who said I'm comfortable? Okay, maybe you're not. <laughs> but you'd be surprised how often um, I'll be chatting with somebody in the kitchen. Yeah. And they'll just be going. And then we'll come down here and sit down on the couch and they'll see the microphone. And they look like a deer in the headlights. And they just clam up immediately. So it's exciting to have you on. Do they just forget? Maybe they go mind blank. They get nervous. Okay. They get nervous because they know now everything I'm saying has the potential of being heard by someone else. So I need to be more thoughtful about it, you know? (laughs) I kind of speak freely in my life. That's okay. That's okay. That's perfect for a podcast. So it works out great. So have you always lived in Louisville? Were you born in Louisville? Okay, so I'm born and raised in Louisville, but my family is kind of from all over. Okay. Uh, My mom was born in Alabama, and then she, at a very, very young age, they moved to Kenya, Africa, and then she grew up there. What? Went to boarding school at Rift Valley Academy, Go Buffalo, RVA Buffalo, (laughs) and then um, she met my dad over in Kenya, I think college-ish and then that's when she decided to come back to the u.s go to college that's amazing yeah so what was your dad doing in kenya so both of their parents were missionaries okay and so they were doing missionary work except for my mom's parents like were more based living there for years and years and years and years gotcha my dad's family was like let's just go around the world and do some missionary work and that just so happened to be one of their places that's so cool it's so ironic. Well, it's yeah, it's a, it's like kind of like my parents a, met in Africa. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. I don't even know where to go with that. Like, what did you have you ever been there? Yes. So you've been there. Okay, yes. tell me about this. Well, okay, so having grandparents there while growing up, like I was the first <sighs> grandkid, so we had to send like you know the VCR tapes of like me growing up saying hello messages because it was back in the day. You know, we're in the eighties, so right. you had to mail it. <laughs> There's like nothing exactly. <laughs> It's ridiculous. <laughs> Dial up internet. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, you can't even load a picture. Like, come on now. Like, that took five hours. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. So you had to take VH. They had to take VHS 
tapes and then mail it through. Mail mail. it through. How long does that take? How long does it take? That I mean, that had to take like a a good amount of time, probably like a week. I would imagine maybe even more. Yeah, probably because it was overseas. So then, um, at about three years old, I went over there and uh, hung out for a while, and I met my best friend Felicia in one of the houses that we were staying in. And then in 2016, my mom wanted to go back and see all of our family again because we hadn't seen them in years. Yeah, I imagine it would be hard. Yeah. And so we went all around Kenya, like Nairobi, Mombasa, Lamu. We went everywhere to go visit family and see everybody. And it was kind of like the side of Africa tourists don't see. Mm -hmm. So it was a really cool way to see like the backside of how my mom grew up, where she lived, like where, what kind of vibe it was being an adult myself. That is so cool. That's a, yeah. a side of, I imagine that country that you don't get to see if you're just there visiting as a tourist. Oh yeah. Yeah. We went to maybe like two touristy things, like to feed giraffes Oh my gosh. and to the elephant orphanage Okay, where you can get an elephant and take care of one. So like they'll send you pictures of your baby elephant. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> like it's kind of like getting a star, but it's like getting a giraffe or an elephant. I I sponsored an owl one time at the Louisville Zoo. You did? They sent me a, a stuffed owl, and <gasps> that was really all that it was. Oh, <laughs> it wasn't like was it, were were you sponsoring like a real live? Oh yeah. They, owl? So they fed the owl with the money that I that I oh. gave them and stuff like that for like a year, I think, That's or something awesome. like that. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. So, have you ever seen any like? Did you have the opportunity to like go on safari or anything like that? Hundred percent. Okay, you know awesome. we went on the safari, but so we went to Masai Mara Park. Okay. And first of all, they're like vans, but the roof comes up, the windows are open, all windows are open. So literally, if a lion wanted to come up to you or an elephant and flip your car, they're more than welcome to do that because you're in their home you're in their you're intruding exactly now the tourists who are driving the vehicles they are all strapped just in case anything crazy 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 were to happen but at the same time like it's real life and what can you really do uh we ended up getting stuck in a mud pit and our car started flooding oh my gosh and these people from france were in another vehicle and so they're like ha ha americans drowning in mud <laughs> like not like that but they were laughing at us that we were drowning in the that's mud that's hilarious and all i could think of were black mambas the fastest snakes on the planet and i was like we're gonna die this is how i'm gonna die i was like i'm gonna accept this because this is a pretty cool death i was like it's it's gonna happen <laughs> if i get eaten by a lion like that's the thing that everybody says they want <laughs> exactly so it'll be all right i couldn't handle it if i was on safari and we broke down in safari because I've had bad experiences by being by myself in the wilderness. And yeah. if we broke down in the middle of like a game park, lions and shit yeah. around there, I would be, I would just, I'd be in the, I, I wouldn't get out of the car. <laughs> no so way. So we had lunch outside of the car. What? Uh, our driver, Sammy, really hooked it up. He knew, he knew that we live on the edge. Me, because it was me, my brother, and my mom. So mm-hmm. it was just the three of us with this driver, Sammy. And it's cool because we know 
my mom grew up speaking Swahili, mm-hmm. so she would yell at us in Swahili when friends were over, so they didn't know what she was saying. And so we know a little bit of Swahili, Spanish, English, and then a tiny bit of French. So we were all speaking in languages just kept going in and out because we all understood all of the languages. It was so strange. It was one of the coolest conversation ever. Because like you might respond in Spanish or you might respond in Swahili or you might respond. I don't know. It was it was really cool. Like somewhere only in like a different country you get to because they all know I feel like 10 different languages. And you're like, I know two. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I know one and not even as well as I would like to. If I'm being English is the hardest. Let's be honest. That's the only one I know. So I don't really have a lot to compare it to. Yeah. Honestly, it is the hardest. It doesn't make any sense. Man, that's crazy. So did you see big cats while you were there, like on safari? So you talk about being afraid of breaking down, but we stopped at this area to watch lions feeding on a wildebeest. And it was so cool because you got to see how the males eat first. We witnessed the whole thing. The males eat first and then the females and then the kids and the cubs. And so the males, after they eat, they go and protect the perimeter after the females and the females come in. So there's maybe three different vehicles, like three different safari vans. And all of a sudden, this cheetah comes up out of nowhere, jumps on top of the car to the right of us. So I have a photo. And then this cheetah, so that's standing, stretches out. (laughs) And these people are freaking out because it's right above them. Their roof is up. Like if they were to reach out, I mean, they could literally touch the cheetah. So cheetah just goes to sleep, lays down, goes to sleep. They can't do anything. They were stuck there for a good four hours. (laughs) Cheetah did not want to move. I guess the cheetah was probably waiting for the lions to leave to see what he could get. I have no idea. It was so interesting. It was crazy. But that's one of like my favorite memories ever. I'm so like, glad we got to capture that. <laughs> so that's wonderful. I'll have to show you that photo. That sounds awesome. And that was only just a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. So yeah. your grandparents lived in Africa the entire time you were growing up. Yes. How did your parents end up in Louisville then? So my dad's family kind of dibbled in Louisville, but it was like Eastern Kentucky. So at least they had his parents and family to help out with me when they got pregnant but then like my mom's sister decided to come to Louisville my mom's brother decided to come to Louisville so this kind of ended up being home it's so random yeah it is it's a little bit random where did you go to elementary school then King Elementary King okay cool 42nd in Vermont as west end as you can go. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the coolest, I have to tell you, it was the coolest elementary school. Yeah. And it started my love for fire. Yeah. I have a pyro, you know, a pyro love. Okay. And um, and that started in elementary school. Elementary school with the Louisville Leopards. So not only after kindergarten, I start, I jump into the Fabulous Leopard Percussionist. So it's like a touring percussion group of kids. K through five, because you had to retire as in sixth grade. You were too old. You started to (laughs) smell and you had to retire. Yeah, you do. They do. So um, we had Renaissance fairs at King Elementary. It was a very artsy school. They had Quick Recall, the Fabulous Leopards, Renaissance fairs. 
what comes along with Renaissance fairs. Fire jugglers and eaters. Fire jugglers and devil sticks and all of that. So we would put on the biggest Renaissance fair every year and you had to dress up like it was projects. You had to research your person or like what you wanted to do, the booth you wanted to make, how you wanted to make money in the town or the village that was there. And so um, you could learn how to juggle and either do like a juggling act and or you could be like a joker or a, um, the jester, the one who like makes people laugh. I mean, there was everything. There was a role. We had a king, queen. We brought them in and presented them to everyone. Like, it was a full show. That's amazing. There's a super cool uh, Renaissance Fair in Eminence, Kentucky. Have you ever been out to that one? Yes. It's a good one. I enjoy that a lot. I thought they were really going to do real jousting, though. I know. Yeah, they don't. They do like fake jousting. And it's the same every year because I've been multiple times. (laughs) But it's still cool, though. It's still really cool. (laughs) So okay, I love that vibe. So you started playing drums when you were like five, right? Yeah, just playing percussion in general, I guess. Percu- yeah, I would introduce a song, and then I would go behind like a big old drum, mm-hmm. and I would completely disappear. So all you would see is the mallet just <laughs> opening and hitting the drum. That's hilarious. Because <laughs> that was too, way too little. <laughs> but we learned by words. So, um, like lowrider, uh, you, the baseline, da 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 da. Hear the words. You thought you knew the words to the song. You don't. Grandmas are so fun and they're really smelly. Grandmas are so fun and they're really smelly. That's the baseline. I think Bryce told me about that too. Did he? I think he talked I taught a little him bit. That. About, I don't know if it was the exact same song, but he was definitely telling me about how like you would learn like uh, different parts of the song with just making it different melodies yeah. and adding words to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really cool. Um, so you started doing that when you were five years old and, five you, years and old. you did it until s- sixth grade, right? Sixth grade. And then I went to no middle school, learned how to read music at that point. That's cool. Because I didn't know how to read music. But when you were in the Fabulous Leopards, you you guys toured all over the place, right? Didn't all you? over the so place. So what were some of the cool places that you went? Florida, Disney World. Like, I mean, that's like a child's dream to be put up in like the guitar or the drum set con like the whatever house is and then you get to go hang out in the pools and then go play a couple shows oh darn you get to go play music in disney world um chicago uh there there are a ton of like jazz conferences that we would go to and then i even got the chance to go start teaching at a summer camp in california so it was really cool to really start to tour the u.s at such a young age and then I was on the juggling team. I joined the juggling team as well <laughs> in fourth grade. Um, and then we would also travel a little bit. What? Yeah. I guess you probably had to travel to like the only other three schools in the country that also had juggling teams. True. So you had to do that. But we also performed for like Boy Scout things or people's events. That's cool. Yeah. And I've seen you've kind of continued to do that even into your adult life. Like some, I watched some of the videos that you guys have done and like uh, playing like Irish music and like having with dancers. I mean, that's rad. Yeah. That's super cool. Uh, That's my job. I love it. That's great. That's so awesome. And just like from a person who like has mostly had kind of like nine to five experiences for the majority of my adult life and realizing the lameness of that, like having your job be performing would be. I imagine there are definitely challenges. I bet the hours aren't 100%. ideal. <laughs> but uh, I, the yeah. freedom and it would be really cool. And just the thrill. Like, I really appreciate 
being performative and it's that's kind of what this is a little bit for me so yeah, i, can, I realize the thrill and it's super fun yeah so I'm, I'm jealous is what i'm trying to say i'm being i'm taking a really long time to say i'm jealous well how did you bit. know that you could do the nine to five because i just knew in my bones and in my soul it just wasn't it wasn't for me i had no clear path out of it yeah it was so obvious that that's what I was going to do yeah. that I wound up doing it without really even thinking about it because yeah. it was the only way that I knew. And if I would have tried to do something more similar to what you were doing, I would yeah. have had to blaze this trail. True. And I didn't have a lot it of people around me easy. who didn't tell me yeah. how to do it. So I just didn't have the people in place. Yeah. And it just didn't work out. Yeah. And also, um, I haven't been playing music since I was four, so I'm still not very good <laughs> at it. <laughs> well, you can make any kind of job. Oh, yeah. It's so fun. And I could get better at it if I put a lot of work into it. But Practice makes perfect. It does. It or does. perfect practice makes perfect. Mm. Womp, womp. <laughs> have you ever read Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers? Are you familiar with that book? I have not yet. So it's about like, Malcolm Gladwell's like this public intellectual smarty pants guy, but he wrote a book called Outliers about how, how you get become great at something yeah and it's where the whole ten thousand hours rule came from like you want you have to do like really you have to be practicing for ten thousand hours at something but it has to be perfect practice like you were talking about the kind yeah. of practice where you're like okay i fucked that up yeah how do i not fuck that up in the future how do right. i get better constantly trying to be self-critical and improve right so that's a really cool book um about like that process yeah so you started doing that when you were really young Yes. And then you said you went to middle school and that's where you learned to read music. That's when I learned how to read music. Her name was Miss Bird Whistle at the time. And no, I think that's the in real life. Yes. And I know some of your old podcasts, your past not your old ones. <laughs> They're not old. Your past podcasters. Some of them had Miss Bird Whistle. Really? Who? Yes. You'll have to find out. Okay, I'll ask after after. It's a ask mystery. Around. <laughs> What a wonderful name. I had a doctor named Miss Barefoot one time. <laughs> Stop. No, you didn't. It's not nearly as awesome as a music teacher named Miss Birdwhistle because that's just such a perfect name for a music teacher. Was she was she like bubbly and like was she what you would expect when you met a Miss Birdwhistle? Until you made her mad. <laughs> <laughs> and being in the percussion section. We're kind of good at that. Oh, yeah. Because when people are tuning, how are you supposed to sit still? And that's my problem with a nine to five job. <laughs> now, I did graduate from IUS with an elementary education degree. I really, really, really wanted to be in JCPS. My heart and soul was teaching kids and teaching music to kids with the leopards because I was with the leopards for 11 years teaching them. But I am not very good at staying inside of a box. Yeah. So you tell me these rules and you don't give me a good reason <laughs> why. Like, why can't my students go outside and learn the water cycle on the playground? Like, why do I get in trouble for that? Like, why do I have to teach them from a book? I don't learn very well from books. Like, <laughs> And my kids could have told you everything about the water cycle all in that 10 minutes just hanging outside playing in some dirt and looking at the sky and like watching water evaporate like i mean i can definitely relate to that cuz i worked in jcps for 5 years what did you do i taught math 
algebra two and geometry mostly. What grade? Uh, so it would have. I was mostly doing sophomores and juniors, but some seniors in high school because I would have like repeaters. Um, it was really an interesting and challenging and very rewarding job, but uh, I don't know. It, it had such a devastating impact on my mental health. But I was like, I'm just super bummed out. I can't really, st- I'm just not happy doing this. So I had to figure something else out. But like, I can definitely relate to feeling like you don't have as much autonomy as you would like to have in the yeah. classroom. And they're supposed to have a lot of autonomy. Right. But let's not get ahead of ourselves because, so where did you go to middle school? No. Oh, you want to know? Duh. We just no talked windows, about No windows, no walls, no middle. <laughs> <laughs> I loved no middle. Um, I played soccer, basketball, did the jazz band there. I mean, talk about another artsy school, like to go from King Elementary to no middle school, another super artsy school. And they had a deaf program, a deaf community program. Oh, yeah. Which is where I started to learn sign language because a girl on the basketball team was deaf and her translator didn't show up sometimes. And I knew my alphabet. So I just started with the alphabet telling her what the coach was saying because I'm an empath. So I'm like, I feel everyone's feelings and I got to fix it. Like, <laughs> what the heck? So you're the second person I've had on the podcast who said that that they felt like they were an empath. And you're yes. the third person that I've talked to about it because I talked to this really old lady about it uh, last Saturday. She's 71. Um, and she was oh. like, I'm empathic. And she was telling me all about it. She's like, you're going to think I'm a crazy old lady. But I don't think I experienced that as much. You uh, would know. Um, I don't know. Maybe. Sometimes I feel like I can tell what other people are feeling. But it's not a powerful feeling. It's just like a. I don't See, feel like. This is like a rush that completely takes over. So if I'm sitting in a room with someone who's like super nervous or something. Or they're very, very angry. All of a sudden, I'm not even realizing that I'm picking up completely their feelings and then all of a sudden I'm a hundred percent angry or like a hundred percent really sad and I kind of I'm learning how to build like the the walls that you're supposed to learn how to build being an empath but so I learned sign language because I felt bad but then she started teaching me the signs for the words that I was saying like signing and it started becoming really exciting and I loved learning something completely new I already knew a little bit of Swahili and Spanish from elementary school and Swahili from my family. But then sign language, I was like, this is so cool. So then translator sometimes didn't show up to classes. So then I started getting pulled out of class. So I was like, hey, 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 (laughs) this is really cool. So then when I went to manual right after that, I got out of class sometimes to go translate the deaf community it was so awesome that is really cool i want to talk about manual and i want to talk about your experiences there but i i I do want to talk to you a little bit more about like being an empath because i'm fascinated by this idea because i would my gut intuition is to not believe that it's real you know what i mean because i've never experienced it i completely respect that yeah and so it's hard to even imagine how that happens you know like what do you mean you're just sitting there and then all of a sudden these feelings start taking over you? Like that that sounds absolutely insane. But um, I was, where was, I think I was in like a Walgreens or a Walmart or something. 
And I didn't know why, but my chest started hurting, like really bad hurting. And I I think I had worked out earlier that day. I had eaten healthy. Like there was no reason. I was feeling 100% completely fine. And then it felt like I was having a heart attack. Turns out the person in the next aisle over started having a heart attack. And I didn't hear anything. I didn't know. But then I heard the word help. So then I run over in their aisle and found out that they're and like I feel like I'm ha- like not the complete pain, mm-hmm. but I just felt a little like my heart. It was just hurting. So I, I couldn't explain why or how. And then so we ended up getting them help. But that you would feel anything at all is interesting to me. Yeah. Because I don't understand how you would. Yeah, me neither. And that's really, really cool. Yeah. But reading these books, if you have this, like you're supposed to even picture yourself as like a bubble so you don't pick up on people's emotions and feelings because like learning or like maybe in the very beginning of being an empath or like when you find out maybe you're an empath or taking other people's feelings on, uh, you have to learn to like shut that down completely. So that's something that took a while to learn, but I'm getting better at it. That's so interesting. It's okay, so... wait, here's my question for you, okay. though. Have you ever, like, maybe your wife or a family member, like, did they ever, like, were they really, really sad at some point around you? And maybe their face didn't explain it, or, but you just felt the vibe of their energy that they were giving off? Like, have you ever felt? No, I do feel like I can pick up on how people are feeling based off of how they're behaving. Yeah. Like I'll watch them, how their facial expressions change, how they yeah. move, the way that they're reacting to the things that I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but someone immediately like walking into a room. No. I would never know exactly how they're feeling until I started interacting with them a little bit. And it would be a, like a, a little bit of a transition process trying to figure out yeah. exactly how they're... But you know, like sometimes you can tell. If somebody's moving fast, mm-hmm. things are like... And and not and you know like maybe tossing something or yeah. like you can tell immediately like that they're upset, but yeah. I'm not feeling an energy. I'm observing their behavior right. and and trying to figure out what they what they're thinking and how they're feeling. See, my fiance, I annoy Brad so much because he'll come in the door from work, and um, he was in a very toxic work situation, and so he would come home. He didn't even have to say anything. Like he would try and put on like a a neutral face, but I'm just like, oh, we had a really bad day. And he's like, stop, like you can't control this, like stop, just like let it go. And I just felt every part of the heaviness in his energy. Like he couldn't, he couldn't hide the outside of his energy. It just overwhelmed and took over me. So mm. that is, but that's why I was wondering if like, I if can't relate sad. to that at all. I can't relate to that at all. It's so weird. It is. Um, You know, I I also heard something recently on social media about people who don't have an internal monologue. I did too. You know, I feel like that's kind of a similar thing where some humans just have different experiences from others. Well, and my, I feel like I've had an internal monologue my whole entire life. I always talk to myself in words. All the time. Yeah. But I don't, sometimes, a lot of times, I don't think before I speak. But I do have that internal monologue, like, why did you just say that? You know, like, <laughs> or like, Mitchell, you need to get a haircut <laughs> yeah. or something like that. 
and I'll say the <laughs> words in my head. But you know, I do have moments in my thinking where I'm not thinking in words, where I'm thinking in feelings yeah. and in uh, images. Yeah. Like when I'm trying to like think about really hard concepts, like you have to back away from words and kind of just think about how you feel or, or, or yeah. what your intuition is. And I don't use words when I think about that. But then sometimes I will, once I feel like I figured something out, come back to words. How do I say what I just thought? Yeah. And then I'll be thinking in words. So I know that I can. And it's crazy to me to think that there are people who just don't do it at all. That's insane to yeah. me. I don't know how. I, that's bizarre. I can't even fathom not having like even that conversation in my head in the morning, like, come on, get up. Yeah. <laughs> Time to get on up. Uh, I don't want to get up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the whole mind battle in the morning. Yeah. That's hilarious. That would be nice to not have. Yeah. You know, you that's know? what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Um, so you ended up going to DuPont Manual High School. Yeah. Well. But you were in Y-Pass, right? In Y-Pass. Yeah. Is that different or is it the same? Cause I well, don't... I feel like it's, you take your educational educational classes at manual your smart people classes <laughs> yeah. at manual and then your art classes at ypass it's a totally different you're performing building. art school totally different well you have to walk so manual would be like uh over here and then you would have to walk across no middle school um now it was like all a sidewalk well it wasn't always a sidewalk there was lee street used to go straight through uh dupont and no middle school. So you would have to cross a little street and then you were home free to walk to Y-Pass. Y-Pass had the huge performance stage and then it had the annex building where all of the dancers and the piano and the um, other people would practice. So did you know Virgil Clay? Yes. Yeah, I went Love to elementary school with Virgil. Virgil Clay. Yeah. So talented. We went and saw them perform um, a few times. And I got to see him perform and it was really, really cool. When was this? This was in like, in high school, you guys would put on okay, shows yeah, and yeah, my yeah. high school would come and watch you guys put on shows. That's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. That was so fun to always have friends from other yeah. schools come and watch us. He and I didn't really communicate anymore at that time. Because by that point we had already gone to different middle schools and then now we were going to different high schools. So mm. I didn't really stay in contact with them well. Um, but it was awesome getting to see him perform and sing. Uh, he was in choir, I believe, and he was super talented. I haven't talked to him in years, but I'm hoping that he still sings. This is fun. I'm excited that we're making so many connections of people that we know. Yeah. Because I didn't expect that. I don't know. Because uh, we met in high school. Right. Yeah. We, what, how old were we? Probably sophomores or juniors. Yeah. Because I could definitely drive. Yeah. Probably. I bet it was the summer before senior year that we I met. I think so. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. <laughs> so you hung out with Jessica, who is my buddy Kyle's wife now. Stop. Are you talking about Jessica Torres? Yeah. Jessica Torres. Her name's Jessica Platt now. I know. Oh, my goodness. So Jessica and I, like, she was a dancer. So she would dance at the basketball games where I would be. And she was my girl. She was my girl because she was like the laid back type of girl like I am. She wasn't like a uptight dancer, worried about makeup and this and that. Um, now, she knew how to put makeup on, but it wasn't like a an immediate thing or like she had to do it. Um, but I got to see their whole 
love story kind of intertwined throughout all of the years. And it's I'm so glad they ended up together. And they are the cutest. I mean, you just knew. The way she smiled around him, I feel like I just knew. I knew. He's adorable. I love him. I love them both. Uh, their daughter, Eleanor, is adorable. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's crazy. We're old, man. We're so old. What yeah. happened? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You know, that's another thing about the whole nine to five job thing is like you get to hang out with your family and friends and like you're off on the weekends or and whenever being a performer you know, you're performing at nights, you you miss weddings, you miss birthdays, you miss I mean, I can't tell you how many of our high school friends and middle school friends that I definitely thought I would make their wedding. And it was like a crazy big show or like it was live on television or I was opening up for freaking Bruno Mars. Yeah, that's cool. I missed one of my best friend's weddings. But I mean, like, what do you do? Yeah. It's like your heart and soul and your passion over really, really good friends. I mean, yeah. it just sucks. Yeah, that does suck. That does suck. Because weddings are dope. Weddings are so dope. Weddings are fun. And just wanting to be there witnessing this love story happening. I mean, I don't know. I'm such a sucker at love. Kyle's wedding was fun. I think it was at Kyle's wedding that I split my pants all the way down from like the top. Please tell me you're doing a dance move. I was dancing. Yes. I think I, I might have been dropping it like it was hot or something. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> But I had on pants that I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> you did that one dance move. I was trying to look fresh, you know? And so then I, I think I dropped it and I totally split my pants. There's a picture of it, I think, yes. on like Instagram or something like that. That's now I'm going to have to post it on the Facebook page now. <laughs> you might have So to. everybody can see it. Hopefully someone got that on video. I know I definitely have a picture of it on my Instagram that I will now share <laughs> to the Facebook page for everybody to see. I can't wait to see this. That's oh, so funny. What good memories. That is. It, it's It's really fun. Um, and I guess I'm sad that you didn't get to have those experiences, but I, you had so like many Jess other. Jess was another wedding that I missed. Yeah. You know, it was just kind of, but you, you have to, it's a sad choice like with career or friends because I, I want to pick friends and family, obviously. Yeah. But getting paid or like a lot of times it was for the paycheck, you know, but then there were crazy opportunities with like opening for Carlene Carter and I mean, you just can't. Say yeah. no. We have to talk about those things because we have to talk about those things because I have them here. Oh, I did no. research. Oh, no. Yes, you know. I've, it's a thing that I've started doing <laughs> recently. Uh, it's about time you started. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. You played so many instruments, which I know is true about most people who play percussion because my brother-in-law plays percussion. Uh, he, I think he did it coming up as he, when he was younger. I need to talk to him more about it. I haven't been able to get him on the podcast yet. You got to get him on the podcast. I'm going to. Percussionists are so fun. And uh, he ended up playing in, um, I guess it's the pet band at U of L. He was what it, year? Uh, gosh, I think for what's all, his name? All, his name's Will Shive. Okay, he wasn't there when I was there because really? I was in U of L pet band. Yeah, for how long? For. I want to say two years. You might have missed him because he's he's yeah. twenty seven. Because then I transferred to IUS for elementary education. Um, but yeah, I wanted to go to all of the the games. Yeah, for free. Oh yeah, they went him and his <laughs> wife. Oh, that's incredible. Uh, so, how many different instruments do you play? You know, that's a really good question because. How many items do you have in your kitchen? Because all of those are instruments. So? And then 
how many things do you have in your living room? Because all of those are instruments. All of your pillows are instruments. All of your spoons are instruments. Okay. That's a very, very interesting <laughs> perspective. But I, I do understand it. I get what you're no, saying. But like um, on a daily with my bands, I'll play drum set in one band and then another band I'm playing Cajon, which is like a box that I sit on and it's like a drum set in a box. It has the full drum set sound. Um, and then I'll have a foot tambourine and a conga with one hand, wind chimes, and then shakers. I've seen you with the wind chimes. You hit the wind chimes. Oh, I love me and some wind chimes. And you nailed it. I was like, damn, how do you na- I don't understand quite exactly how. I love you me n- some wind chimes. Because that is like in itself like 33 different instruments. I know. Well, Just yeah. kind of banging off of each other. In well, the- and it's really cool because if you have wrenches in your garage – you can line those up, and as long as it's like on fishing wire, so you don't stop the vibration of the metal, mm-hmm. those could also be wind chimes. Oh, I've wow. made wrench wind chimes and then little steel pipe wind chimes. I just got a tube cutter and I just started cutting pipes. <laughs> wow. So I'm going to ask you a question that might feel weird. Okay. But I'm curious because we already talked about like you, you, you say you're an empath. You can pick up on people's emotions. Yeah. What is, how do you experience music? Music. Oh my goodness. Okay. So music is very dangerous for me. Okay. Um, I have to be careful with listening to, you know, those sad songs or like the, the really deep, like piano ballads sometimes because they, they rip my soul. And, I mean, all different kind of music gives out a certain type of energy. So I feel like like if you're listening to Latin music, like you can't help but to kind of like move your body a little bit or like bluegrass, like tapping your foot or so when it's nice up feeling good music, it's really, really great. It's easy. It's fun. Um, but as soon as you start like the sad songs or the and especially if I'm going through anything in my life. Uh, there have been times where like I have to hide my face on stage because I just start crying because music speaks for me when I can't speak. Like I, I go to therapy, but I love therapy, but I can't explain how I feel sometimes. And the music just completely takes that and does that for me. I can appreciate that and and really relate to that in in listening to music but and in performing music but I never really got to a level of performing music where I felt super comfortable just kind of fully letting go because it was always something I had to be thinking about what I was doing. I could never be like fully 100% in the moment. I might make a mistake because I never got as proficient with an instrument as I should have. See, if you are my student, that's the number one thing I want my students to learn is you are going to make mistakes. You're going to make a hundred mistakes and it depends on how you recover from your mistakes. So if, if you're playing your part or like your solo and then you make a wrong note, if you make that face like the, like that face, then of course people are going to know you made a mistake. But if you just keep going, like it's nothing, no one's going to know you made. I mean, they might at some point, but as long as you look cool as a cucumber, you're like, no, that was that was meant to be in the song. (laughs) I mean, no one has a clue. So I love to teach my students of just recover. Just don't even worry about the mistake. 
drop it, keep moving. Yeah. You're great. Well, let me think about, so let me try to frame this in a different way then. Um, when you approach music, when you approach something new, mm-hmm. do you just have a feel for it right out of the box? Like It depends on why I'm learning it mm-hmm. or if someone is having me learn it for a specific reason or event. So like if you relate to the music or not. Correct. Of, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um, because sometimes I don't really have any feelings but I will bring energy into it, of course, like my own style with whatever, whoever I'm playing with. That's really cool. That's interesting. Um, I've never got to experience that. Where you kind of bring the music alive yourself. Like you don't feel anything yet. Every once in a while. Every once in a while when I'm messing around with something. But I'm not quite good enough. You are. I, you just have to trust I yourself. Figure it. Maybe I am. Maybe and I stop am. thinking. Maybe I, that's hard for me to do. Oh, I know. So you get you. Do you feel like for you, it's a very emotional experience playing music? Most of the time, yeah. it can oh. be for me, but a lot of the time, it's like an intellectual thing where I'm trying to figure out a piece gotcha. of music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is most of the time for me. See, when you start to play shows or like when you play something that you've played a hundred times, you kind of want to start to switch it up. So then you start to put completely different feelings and spins into it. And then it kind of depends on the day too of what you're feeling that day. Because if you're angry, you might want to change it to like a more rock style and vibe. You're like... (laughs) So when did you start feeling like you really, that music was something you wanted to do for the rest of your life? Did you know from when you were... A young five. person, you were five. Okay, so you knew immediately. I just, it was like love at first sight. Right. It just made my soul happy. I just needed to know how to make it happen to be able to either teach kids how to play music and play music or be able to just professionally play music on my own. So back to when you're in high school, what's your mindset like then as a high school student who's trying to figure out how to make music like so, the rest okay, of their life? In high school, of course, we're going through all the hormones and all like the, I just wanted to be a brat at some point because <laughs> my parents had just gotten a divorce like at the end of middle school. So mm. I was angry. Um, and then I go into this high school where they want you to play music all day, every single day, all of these pieces. And it's like college level pieces. And it's like, you're not, you've done it for so many years it was kind of like I was starting to already get burnt out yeah. at that point. Like it felt like I had had a job my whole life and it was just another assignment, another thing. So at that point, it was just kind of more like cranking it out, getting it done. Um, and then as I got older, I think that's when I really started to make the music my own, my own spin, my own feelings. Like in, like in college kind of? Yeah. It's interesting to hear you say that because... When I talked to Ethan yesterday, mm-hmm. he started playing baseball when he was super young. Right. And then he started to get into this like really high level competitive league when he was in sixth grade. So he was like 11. Yeah. And then he was like saying like they were practicing six days a week for eight to 10 hours a day. Like that's all he was doing. That's all he was doing. And eventually he got a little bit burnt out by it. Mm-hmm. And But he also achieved something awesome. So right. I'm interested in like that process of like, because I feel like what you're doing as a musician is maybe like a little bit of a more stretched out longer version of that because what you're trying to achieve in trying to like understand music is a huge 
both emotional but also intellectual pursuit. Right. So like you're doing it over the course of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're awesome at it. I mean, you're, you're a professional musician, which is really, really cool. It's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you're in like four different bands, right? And growing. <laughs> I just keep saying yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. So which one were you in first? Which one were you of the bands you're in now? Which one were you in first? Southern Sirens. Okay. And that's you and is it? Um, Emmy Bodner. It's me and Emmy Bodner as a duo. Um, now, when we started, it was me, Anna Blanton, and Emmy Bodner. Okay. And then Anna went and started touring with Coulter Wall. And then I kind of got super busy with Leopards and into that. So I kind of drifted for a little bit. But then Emmy and I kind of came back together as a really strong duo. That's awesome. And I think I saw you guys out playing one time. Like... It was probably like around December of like 2018, maybe or 19. I was at a Doss High School uh, (laughs) Christmas break party. Yeah, it was like a Friday evening, and we had it was our last day of school was that Friday. We had had like professional development day with no kids, and then we all went to I think it was O'Shea's. Yeah, when you guys were there playing. That's one of my favorite spots. Yeah, it was awesome. Sometimes. And how are different places like? Can you- okay, so let me give you like the inside scoop. Okay. Because looking at it, you're like, oh, this is amazing. This is incredible. You have such a big crowd. This is awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. It's yeah. great. But <laughs> think about, you know, we're we're getting older. Um, at about so we we'll start playing around 10 p.m. Okay. Yeah. And we'll end around like 1, 1 1.30 a.m. So around the 11.30 midnight hours, that's when you can't really use the bathroom anymore. Or like you got to go outside or like find some kind of like low-key maintenance bathroom or something. I don't know because the girls start crying. (laughs) They have all their buddies in the bathroom. And it's like, oh my gosh, like I don't miss this part at all. That's hilarious. (laughs) I can imagine how some parts of it would also feel kind of like a job. Yes. Everything sort of feels that way sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's like when like you get upsetting news or you're just having a rough day and it's just you want to call in, but there's no... You don't have anyone to fill in for you. Yeah. There's no way. So yeah. even being super sick, um, like not with COVID or anything, but like I might have food poisoning and it would be a super important gig. Yeah. Sorry, but I'm going to have to have the trash bag right at the side of the stage. Like keep it all down, <laughs> like smile, put the Vaseline on the teeth and it's going to be a great night. Gross. <laughs> That's an experience. <laughs> How has COVID? Because I hadn't even thought about that until you just brought it up, honestly, Holy which was nice. Moly. Has that impacted you guys a lot? Huge. I imagine it has. So it was St. Patty's season right when it really, really hit Louisville. Yeah. And that's our that's one of my band's biggest season, Krogan's Crossing. Because yeah. it's an Irish, Celtic, bluegrassy band. Yeah, I've seen the stuff you guys do. Yeah, it's cool. Anna Blanton and her husband Charlie. And our friend Chris Fargin on guitar. And Charlie plays this upright bass. And it's like, it's so freaking awesome. And so we'll have the Ryan Academy of Irish Dance come in and dance with us. And they have students as well. And it's a freaking blast. Um, So we had 
we had four shows on Saturday. It was like O'Shea's, Tin Roof, back to O'Shea's, and then downtown O'Shea's. And then for the other rest of the weeks, I mean, we were everywhere because we would bring the dancers and it was super fun. But as soon as COVID hit, all of those gigs, I think we had 20 gigs that week that were canceled immediately. Man. And I have like, it's over 50 for sure that have been canceled. Events, weddings, all kind of festivals, all of the festivals canceled. That's such a bummer. Such a bummer. And you guys have adapted because I've seen a lot of the stuff that you guys have been doing on like Facebook and the interwebs and stuff like that. It's super cool. Super cool. We're trying. So talk about some of that. This is a perfect opportunity to get people interested. Well, so Emmy and I do a live Facebook show every Thursday around like two-ish, three-ish EST. We're we're trying to figure out when people are either at work and they're wanting entertainment or maybe after work. Uh, We just think it's really important to bring some type of peace, love, unity into this world. And that's super, super important to us right now. So what we can give is maybe a solid hour of music, Mm -hmm. of healing, like if people need any type of song or if they just want to come in and if they need happy birthday sing to them like we'll sing them happy birthday or happy wedding anniversary shoot i don't know that's right um and then anna blanton charlie chris and i have been playing on the mary miller boat um so it's like the bell we thought we were going to be on the bell but it's the mary boat which is right behind it and you just go out you leave the dock you cruise down the river for an hour and then you turn on back around and we are entertaining y'all the whole time. That sounds so nice. So fun. What a beautiful evening that would be. I know. When I was working at PRP, one of the coolest things that I got to do was just go out on a riverboat for the while the seniors, it was like their trip. Yeah. And I got Wait, was it the bell? It was the Yeah, it was the bell. It was the bell. Yes. And I got paid for a day of work. To chill yes. on the bell of Louisville with my coworkers. <laughs> it was rad. It that's was rad. awesome. That's it a good day. Fun. Yeah. That's a good day. Yeah. And that's cool. And you get to do that and play music. Yes. I, I bet that's beautiful. Yes. What a beautiful experience. I'm su- I'm super bummed that you're not you're getting to miss out on those things. Cause I, I t- totally understand how it would take a financial toll, but also just like you don't get to have these beautiful experiences. You're cramped up in your crib right. for months. I started working from home in February. COVID has been really interesting because it's forced me to interact with people in this kind of like virtual way. Yes. And that's been a challenge. Um, But I can't imagine, and I have had to work that way, but what you do for a living is kind of not really, they're not putting up screens like in bars because there aren't any people in the bars. Right. I just don't know. Well, it's honestly, for me as a elementary educator, I feel like I'm always thinking outside of the box regardless and being put in situations with the Louisville Leopard percussionist where I'm on a bus with 60 kids in charge of 60 kids for 12 hours driving down to New Orleans. I have to think on my feet, you know, I have to. So me and the other assistant, Brittany, what we would do is we would have like old makeup and stuff. And so we would paint or like we would put 
uh, makeup on their eyeballs to make them look like they have black eyes and like bloody faces, like fake blood. And like we would do their hair super crazy, like paint fingernails because we would be on the bus for so long. So then we get off at, you know, the rest area for dinner and there's a freaking cop like in line. And of course, my students, <laughs> my students love to mess with me. And they're just like, our teacher beats us. Oh, we're hurting. And of course, there's 60 of them all in line. And the cop just like turns around. He's like, you want me to arrest her? And so he just started like playing around with it. Luckily, he was so cool. Um, and they're like, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's hilarious. Yeah. So you felt like you were up to the challenge of adapting for the COVID. So I felt 100%. That's awesome. Yes. That's awesome. Um, so I actually came out with a video pretty quickly on about drums. It was uh, how to make a drum set in your house if you don't have a drum set. And then some basic grooves that you could do because um, I'm a huge promoter and I of free music and like free drum lessons to people who don't have the opportunity to a go see a music teacher right now or they're not getting music in their schools because they're starting to shut down gym time music time and that's not fair like some of these kids are crazy talented and all they need is just some type of direction and I would love to give that to them. And that's awesome. And I think that's great that you're here now because like, I don't have a huge pe viewership of people listening, but almost Not all yet. the people listening are our age. A lot of them have younger kids who have been cooped up in their houses yes. for weeks and weeks <laughs> and weeks now. And like having the opportunity to like show them something fun like that and to be able to like explore music oh, 100%. Is, is, is a great opportunity for them to learn. So top three songs that are probably on your like recently played list okay let's be honest i'm gonna tell you a, a very shameful truth right now okay i like this i like this turn it's of not it's not a music it's not even like a shameful music thing i just i barely listen to music anymore i consume what do you do i podcast i listen to podcasts constantly okay that's fair i listen to podcasts okay, constantly so your top three or no not top three that's too hard your last recently, maybe like a few of those. What are those? The, I, list, I like the Decemberists. Okay, I'll have to look into that. Yeah, are you familiar with that? Them? No. Uh, it's a guy named Colin Meloy. I really appreciate his stuff. Yeah. I like I like bluesy stuff. I don't know. But I, I don't listen to music enough. Whenever I, whenever I do listen to music, even if it's pop music, because I can vibe with some pop music, and my wife likes to listen to pop music in her car when we're driving, I'd be like, fuck, I don't listen to enough music. <laughs> I, and, I, and I know that I don't because I'll, I'll just really start feeling it and like I want to dance. I can't <laughs> listen to music without dancing. And uh, but it's it's a shameful truth that I, I don't listen to as much music as I would like. OK, let's be fair, though. Music that is coming out these days is not like it was. Yeah. So it's fair that you don't listen to the radio or listen to current music now. Mm hmm. Because maybe it's not the best, but have you heard of Jack Harlow's stuff? Yeah, I've heard Jack Harlow stuff. Yeah, and it's awesome. And it's did you cool. see he was in the new Scooby Doo movie? No, he has. It just came like I'm telling you. I wake up like weekly, and boom, he's dropped another album, mm -hmm. or he had another sneak. Yeah, single. And I listen, and I've followed Ben Solis stuff also. Yes. 
I taught his kid Oliver yeah. in the Louisville Leopard. Super cool kid. That's cool. Hey, is he a little bit older than us then, I guess? Ben? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like he's a few years older he than is. us. You know, yeah. we're young. Are we young? <laughs> we're we're young. I still feel young, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I still feel pretty young. But mostly because I just still feel pretty dumb. <laughs> and so I'm like, I can't, I must still be young because I'm so pretty dumb. That's really interesting because when I think about those individuals, I think about them from a distance. Mm-hmm. But you know them as people, I imagine, right? Yeah. That's really of cool. Of course. That's really cool. It's actually even cooler when they're cool yeah. and when they're humble. Mm-hmm. So um, another girl who went to Manual, she was two years older than Danny Markham. She is like an older sister to me. I love her to pieces. She's a percussionist from Louisville, Kentucky. She is Donald Glover's percussionist. No way. Yes. That's so cool. So I always have to brag about our Louisville champions. That is amazing. I, I, I love Donald Glover on Community. Yeah. And that's how I figured out that he was playing music. Yeah. And then I heard Bonfire. Yeah. And I was like, man, that's a fucking cool song. <laughs> and then I've sort of followed him since then, but I don't I don't fucking listen to enough music. Oh, you should hear you should hear his new stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've heard some of his new stuff. Uh, I, I've obviously heard This Is America. I mean the whole world yes. heard that song. Yes. I don't know, it's almost shameful. I should have spent like months ahead of this conversation listening to music <laughs> to actually prepare is what I should have done. Because uh, no, I feel like no, I'm coming no. this with like a completely empty arsenal. Like I have no, nothing to no, say. No, um, no, but you should definitely look into Childish Gambino's. I'll, I'll look into Glover his newer stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah, I'll check out his newer stuff. Because Danny's playing on it. Oh, that's and amazing. So you got a rep for our Louisville people. And I love Bruno Mars. And you, you played. Did you meet Bruno Mars? I oh, did. Oh, shit. That's dope. I did. I met Bruno Mars, his whole entire crew. And um, his brother plays drums for his band, right? Yes. And honestly, I'm going to be honest, his brother and his son took my whole heart. Yeah. And (laughs) so Bruno walks into the room and we had kind of seen their warm ups. I had already seen the drummer and his kid and his kid was sitting right behind him, right behind the drum set with his mixer headphones on. And he was telling the sound guy what he wanted, whether he wanted something up, down, like he was giving the guy everything he needed in his ears. It was incredible. I was like, this is my future. I was like, this is my kid. I was like, I need this kid. So he's like, they're walking into the room. And first of all, we had just gotten one-on-one time with Muhammad Ali and his oh wife. Oh my gosh. It, the whole night was just incredible. And so... I sat on the couch with Muhammad Ali just like crying, saying, you know how impactful and how powerful of a person you are, right? And I mean, he he can't speak very much or he couldn't at this point, but he was sitting straight for everyone and then he just leaned in to give me a hug. His wife started crying. I started crying and I was like, you're such an inspiration to everyone. (laughs) I was like, you're incredible. Um, But then so Bruno Mars and everyone walks into the room and so we were saying hello and we we're meeting everybody. And I was like, hey, is it cool if I get a picture with? And he thought he was like, yeah, of course. I was like, oh, you're drummer and his kid. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> he's like, me first. And then I was like, 
but the drummer and the kid like <laughs> they're adorable they're so awesome <laughs> but he was so nice yeah so nice really humble i mean all jokesters and then um just a really cool vibe so who, who what band were you playing with when you opened for them? southern sirens okay so cool yeah. That's awesome. So we've talked about Southern Sirens, and then we talked about Krogan's Crossing. Krogan's Crossing. Was that, was that second? Was that the second installment? Was like You know, I think Bungalow Betty. Was number two? Was number two. Because that was a really fun project to dive into. Um, because I had been playing so much of what everyone else wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. And these girls wanted to write their own music. And it was another all-girl band. Um, And it's kind of surfer rock, something I hadn't done yet. I had done, uh, before Southern Sirens, it was a boy rock band. I mean, I've been playing in boy rock bands and, like, boy (laughs) bands. And that's how I met Anna on violin. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, Anna would be, like on bar tables like just ripping the violin and it was incredible i mean me and anna just vibe so well at shows so we ditched the guys we made our own girl band (laughs) no i'm kidding um but um bungalow betty these girls were next and then krogan's crossing right on so what instrument did you play in bungalow betty drum set you played a full kit yes that's cool and that was why it was also really exciting to join that because i got to finally play the full kit and be able to experiment with whatever I really wanted to do. That's awesome. That's what, um, like if I were, when I think about playing drums, like if I were to try to learn to play drums, I would try to learn to play kit. Cause I already have learned yeah. to play like simple things. And I've played along with like at church, if I absolutely had to sit in and like demolish my way through an in, like a, a song that we were playing because our drummer wasn't there that day yeah. like I've done that before yes. and it's extremely fun um it's so full body yeah and that's and it you, is. you really have to kind it's of it's a workout it's a and it's also like you kind of have to lose your mind which we've talked about how I struggle with that right because you're you doing something think. different with every other with everything I was giving a lesson yesterday to one of my favorite I mean I love all my students um but her name is Isla and she's a thinker. Isla mm-hmm. is very much a thinker. And so she starts to read the music and she's really thinking about. And so, of course, I'm like, stop thinking, stop thinking. And so it startles her. And she's like, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm like, just play. You know how to do it. Like, just let your body do it. <laughs> so it's just really fun to yell at people to stop thinking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we didn't talk really, I don't think, enough about the leopards. And when did you go back to teaching at the leopards? Like, So I started teaching summer camp. Um, There was, we were at St. Stephen's Church and it was like the second year there, HBO came and did a documentary and it was Leopards Take Manhattan and it's still on HBO and it's super cool. Um, But they came and they filmed how we teach songs. And so we started from the beginning of a song And then we kind of showed how it unfolded. And it was crazy because the HBO people, they thought, uh, they were like, okay, tell us how you teach the song. And so we would start like everyone divides up into their groups. And so I would take one group, start to teach that, you know, another teacher would take another one, teach them their part. We would all come together in 10 minutes. Boom, that part's done. We're ready to go. 
And so HBO starts freaking out. And they're like, no, 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 no. Stop, 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 stop. The kids are learning way too fast. Like, <laughs> we have to document all of this. Like, you all have to break all of this down. Kids, you all have to act like you don't know this part. And they're like, but we do. <laughs> you know, like, they had the hardest part. And so that's why it was so fun working with the leopards. Um, so I started the uh, 16, maybe. And then I started getting more and more... Um, responsibilities with the leopards. So I was teaching the beginner group, the advanced group, the steel group with the older kids with steel pans, and then the leopard light group with the kids that just met once a week, and then the middle school kids. So it was so fun to teach all the completely different levels and arrange music with some of my really good friends at the time. And we got to arrange really fun things like Led Zeppelin, we had a Led Zeppelin medley that we did, and Robert Plant, Jimmy Page shared it, and they saw it. Oh, yeah, I saw that. That was and amazing. that was so cool to experience that and be able to see the kids' reaction. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know if you've seen this one yet, but I arranged Crazy Train with a couple of the, the teachers, and we put it on YouTube. Well, the Osborne saw it maybe like a couple years after that. Mm -hmm. And so they sent us a check in the mail for $10,000. And they were like, we love what you're doing. Rock out. God bless. Rock on. So that was super That was super awesome. The kids loved it. Then like five years after that, I'm telling you, after these kids have graduated, they're done. Like the song, we hadn't played it in years. Yeah. Well, ring, ring, ring. Here's the phone call of Kelly Osborne saying, I would love to surprise my dad with you all playing Crazy Train. Let's do it in two weeks for their A&E Jack and Ozzy World Detour show. And it was like, in, in, in two weeks? Like, you want us to perform Crazy Train for Ozzy Osborne <laughs> and you all in two weeks? Uh, okay okay yeah of course we know it sure yeah we'll be there <laughs> kids had no clue yeah <laughs> so i mean i had two weeks to teach these kids how to play crazy train of course they ate it alive they learned it in one week that's amazing So we got to clean it up the rest of the week they went and played it for ozzy ozzy cries no way yes Yes, he like tears up. I mean, it's inc it's powerful. You should wow. definitely check it out. I'm definitely going to check it out. That's World, amazing. Uh, Jack and Ozzy's World Detour. It's the Nashville episode because we went to Nashville to go film it in the Opry building. That's a how long did you spend teaching the kids who originally played the video to learn the piece? Oh my gosh, these kids learn so fast maybe, really maybe a week and a half two that's, weeks that's awesome that's so cool i mean they eat it alive yeah so the okay i have to tell you the they're singing in their head peanut butter what peanut butter what peanut butter what peanut butter uh peanut butter what peanut butter what peanut butter what peanut butter uh so i mean they just learn the whole thing that's amazing in no time that's hilarious that's so cool and you, I guess you have to come up with that kind of part for every single different instrument. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, you, super creative. You just have to be... Because um, you have to come up with that before you can teach them the piece. You have to come up with those... Or on the spot, like yeah. as you're teaching it. Yeah. <laughs> it like comes to your head and you're like, yeah, 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 here's the idea. 
<laughs> so will different kids know the part with different words sometimes? Yes. Yeah. Um, Still works. That's really cool, man. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wild. Um, and I guess that's how you met Bryce. Was were, yes. was you met through you? Do you know his older sister? Yes. Okay. Brittany. Yeah. Was an original. Oh wow! Fabulous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's like the starter of OG. She's the leopard OG. That's rad. And then she came and was teaching with me as well. We taught for many, many years together. I worked with Bryce at Starbucks. Stop. That's how I met Bryce. Yeah. So I had worked at I worked at Starbucks for like nine years. I always wanted to work at Starbucks, but okay. I don't like people telling me what to do. I'll be like, no, you want this drink. Let yeah. me, <laughs> this is what I want to make. <laughs> yeah. It had its perks, but it also had its downsides. I think like most jobs do. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I've made very strong bonds with oh, people. Some of my, yeah. still some of my, fa- that's why I still kick it with Bryce. Yeah. Um, and there's a bunch of other people whom I think of from that time in my life that will yeah. be my friends for the rest of my life. That whole family, I mean, they're incredible. Yeah. The whole, I love all of them. I don't think I know them as well as you do. I really mostly just know Bryce. Yeah, Bryce is awesome. Bryce is all right. I don't like him that much for real. He's like a pilot too. He does all kinds of cool stuff. Knows how to like drive stuff. He does know. He knows how to do all kinds of cool (laughs) things. He's a firefighter now. What? Yeah. So, okay. So what the fourth band we haven't talked about the fourth band. I have these all written down here, but the problem is, is I can't get my notebook open. Oh, uh, I was going to ask you which one you had. I have Bridget Kalen Ben. Oh, I love Bridget Kalen. Have you ever seen or heard of the Bridget Kalen? No. So she is out of the Highlands. Okay. She's a, an amazing storyteller, performer, and she plays the accordion, the piano, the guitar, the saw. <laughs> the Stanley saw. I kid you not. With like a with like a, a violin bow, right? Yes. Yeah. She can play um Beatles and Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And I mean it's you'll have to go on YouTube. Bridget Kalen, musical saw. And she even teaches you how to play the saw. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. So if you want to learn how to play the saw today, Bridget Kalen, how do I play a Stanley saw? I might have a violin bow in this house somewhere. Well, then you're ready to go. I don't have a saw. Oh. Okay. I have to hit, I got to go to Lowe's. <laughs> oh, maybe we got to go to Lowe's. <laughs> I love a trip to Lowe's. It's one of my favorite well, places perfect. to go. I have a friend that works at Lowe's, except for he goes by a different name at Lowe's. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Why? It just It's the funniest story I've ever heard of <laughs> in my life. He goes by Luke. His name is Charlie. It's the funniest <laughs> thing ever. And his wife just learned about it like not too, too long ago. He, he's employed there, though, so they have to know his real name is Charlie, right? Yeah, but there were too many Charlies at the time. <laughs> so he's like, you can call me Luke. And it just stuck. That's wonderful. And so, uh, of course, like as bandmates, like when we go in there, like, hey, is Charlie working today? We don't ha- have a Charlie. Like, no. <laughs> No, Charlie's not here. No, Charlie's definitely, I think he's here. Like, <laughs> no, no, Charlie. His name tag says Luke. So, that's hilarious. Luke. <laughs> okay, guys, we'll get back to the show in just a second. But first, I wanted to take this opportunity to talk to you about my little sister, Michelle Wolf, and her photography page, Michelle Wolf Photography. 
Michelle started taking photos of our friends and family about a year ago, and it's been awesome to watch as her tiny hobby has kind of grown in this small little business that she started. If you want to learn more about it, you need to check out her Facebook page, Michelle Wolf Photography. Over the past few months, she's been doing these little mini sessions, about half hour sessions with her friends and their families, and the results are amazing. She's got professional quality camera equipment. She's using professional quality editing software and filters. The photos she's producing are really high quality and they're beautiful. But anybody can buy a camera and anybody can download this software. I think what really sets Michelle apart from some other people who I've seen take pictures is that she has a super great eye for an aesthetic. And she does research. She's always looking at photos, trying to figure out what looks good. And she can help coach you through a photo session. I remember like a year ago at my wedding when Sarah and I were having pictures taken. We had a couple of different people taking pictures of us, and Michelle was one of them. And the thing I remember about taking pictures with Michelle the most was how comfortable I was. Yes, she was my sister, but also she was coaching me the whole time, telling me how to stand, telling me how to pose, where to put my hands, where to look, what to do. And she took all the guesswork out of it. I'm not a model. You guys might be surprised to hear that with my jaw structure, but it's the truth. So in that way, we were able to get great looking photos that looked natural, and it was really easy and fun to do. So if you have a family, small kids, or you just want to try to capture a special moment or a special time and place in your life and the life of your loved ones, check out Michelle Wolf Photography on Facebook, look at the stuff that she's making, and if you like it, reach out to her. She's going to do a great job, I promise. She's a great person. She's my sister. I love her with all of my heart, and I think you're going to be really, really happy with your decision to have her as your photographer. So when you reach out with her, let her know that you found out about her listening to her brother's podcast and tell her I said I expect 10%. I'm just kidding, guys. Let's get back to the show. Okay, there was this one gig. We were playing at Floyd County Brewery. Okay. And I was playing with Anna and Chris and Charlie, I believe. And we had the Irish dancers. Okay, cool. And they had the rum runners going. Mm -hmm. So, oh my goodness. And there were the frozen drinks. They had the amazing pizza. It was incredible. Well, I partook in the rum runners pretty well, those frozen drinks. Don't really remember coming home. Luckily, my fiance was driving me, took me home. Woke up the next morning, had a text message from Amazon. You know, like the 640 or like the five, like it's six numbers and you just know it's Amazon. And it's like, your order is on the way. I was like, oh yeah, what order is that? (laughs) (laughs) Pulled it up and it was like delivering tomorrow. You have a dual cat stroller. (laughs) I was like, God bless. I had a dual cat stroller at one point and I didn't even need it. I didn't buy look so I was it was given to me by a friend. This is such a long crazy cat story. Are you ready for a long crazy cat story? All right, so a girl I used to date, she and I found Willow, mm-hmm. who is my cat now. And when we found, when she started just coming around the house, she was pregnant. The girlfriend or Willow? Willow. Okay, just making sure. Um we think they goodness gracious. <laughs> I was painting the picture in my head, you know, Willow internal was, Willow monologue. Willow was pregnant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so <laughs> we found this out. Well, we found this out the hard way. We took her to, we were in the process of trying to take her to the vet mm-hmm. um, to get everything checked out. Right. And she escaped from this cat stroller. 
Gosh. We had borrowed it from a friend because we just wanted to try to get her there. We hadn't had her for very long. We didn't have any cat stuff. Yeah. She escaped from this cat stroller and roamed the streets yeah. for weeks. And the girl I was dating at the time, was she really struggled with it. Um, oh, no. And so then I looked for her for days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then one day, like after I'd pretty much given up hope, fucking found her. <gasps> she was. Stop. I went up to the vet and she was up there under a car. Okay, that's like, that was supposed to happen. It was crazy. It was crazy, right? So I'd been going up there after work and like I'd gotten some friends together to go like walk around the neighborhoods and or drive around the neighborhoods and look for her. Yeah. But I went up there one night, just like around 11 o'clock after work and boom, she was there. Brought her home. Oh my goodness. We were home for about two hours. Yeah. And she went into labor. What? <laughs> and so all of a sudden I just hear her go, Surprise. <laughs> and I walk in the other room. And she's giving birth. Oh, no. It was awesome. But it was intense. I was not prepared for this yeah, at all. Yeah, I was like, hello. So I went and grabbed some Tupperware and some towels. Tupperware? Yeah, I had, okay. I had like a big <laughs> Tupperware-like container. Okay, like, okay. You're right. And so I lined it with some towels. And uh, <laughs> she takes off. She she gives birth to this baby like oh. underneath my dining room table, like in the middle of the dining room. Yeah. And then she cleans herself up while I'm getting the the Tupperware container and about the time I come around the corner Goes off to the next location she, she's got the baby in her mouth and she takes off oh. <laughs> so I'm like oh my goodness I've got to find this cat because the house at the time was not a super safe place yeah. for a cat to be given birth oh. so I was able to find her and I put her in this little Tupperware thing I put her in a dark spot in a room yeah she gave birth I got to like see her clean them and like Lick them. They came out like super tiny and like wet and they looked, it looked like I watched them grow in front of my eyes oh. as she like cleaned them up and their hairs dried up and they puffed out. They got bigger than when That's they were first precious. born. It was a really cool experience for me. That's precious. Yeah, it was cool. And uh, so yeah, now I got Willow. Oh, We were okay. able to find homes for the kids, which was cool. So I have to shout cool. out the perfect day cafe have you been there yet i have not but i believe my wife has oh my goodness it's it's a trap first yeah. of all and so my so brad my fiance he was he had been working like i think like over 20 days in a row so he needed a break he had his first day off finally so i was like what better way like i'm in charge of the day i'm gonna like make sure you have the best day off ever so what better way to have coffee and hang out with kittens? And so he was like, we are not taking any home. I was like, okay, I understand. I totally understand. I promise. Like we won't take any, no kittens home. I understand. And so, cause we have three girls at the time. The two dogs are girls, Samantha and Lady, and then Mel, Mel, Mel Kitty. She's a girl. So we're hanging out. I'm in like the middle of the floor with all the kittens, just like loving it. And just like, ooh, Brad sitting on the side. Well, all of a sudden, this little like curious George kitty comes like strolling up the side of the filing cabinet, just jumps on Brad's shoulder and just crawls on his shoes, jumps in my purse, <laughs> hangs out. He's, he knows how to play the game. Brad's like, I think this is a boy. Else, can can we take it home? Like, no, no. You said you laid down the law. You said no more animals. He's like, but but I think it's a boy. Like, let let's 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 take it home. It's like, okay, okay. 
So we find out in the paperwork as we're filling it out. It's a girl. <laughs> so, of course, I give him the option. I'm like, here's your out. That's very nice of you. Here's your out. Because you said you didn't want any more femininity at the house. <laughs> okay. So, here's your chance. And he's like, no. Like, I've already bonded with this one. And at the time, its name was Socks. Because it has, like, it's the tortoise, like, the torty cat or something. Something like a turtle. I don't know. It's beautiful, though. And so, we changed her name to Coco. Mm-hmm. And you know how they tell you to introduce one room at a time? Mm-hmm. We took this little itty bitty tiny little baby home and she just starts running laps around the house. And at the time, Lady had a cone on her head, <laughs> the big pit bull, mm-hmm. and like a antenna ear because she had surgery on her ear. So it's like sticking straight up in a bandage. Coco jumps inside of her cone and just starts batting <laughs> at the antenna ear and she's like boom 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 and lady's just looking at us like help me please mom help me please and we're like it's it's your sister welcome home so she was a part of the family immediately that's kind of amazing how'd you meet your fiance lakeside swim club oh yeah yes so i was uh i was i think i was the head guard at the time okay so i was in charge of 80 lifeguards and training them and their lives. And <laughs> um, and so Brad was working at Lakeside and it just kind of, we just knew that there was something there. Mm-hmm. And so we were really good friends for maybe eight years And so we were there through each other's like relationships and people who we were dating, people who we were hanging out with. Like we really got to know each other as best friends. And then we tried a date and I kind of liked him, kind of wanted to (laughs) keep him around. (laughs) That's awesome. You know, I met my wife at O'Shea's. No, you didn't. I did. Were we playing that night? We brought you all together. It's okay. I I, I wish. That'd be beautiful. (laughs) We have done that for couples. Really? Yes. I think that's when you really find, like, when you're really not looking for it, that's when it seriously happens the most. I was looking for it, though. Oh, you were looking for it? But I just wasn't expecting to find it. I thought you were trying to go home for a nap. That night I was. See? You weren't looking for it. You were looking for that nap. It was a very small window. That's what I'm saying. Wow. So it must have been meant to be. That's what I'm saying. It feels that way. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So this is the least amount of facial hair that I've had in a super long time because I married my wife. I met her at O'Shea's like we were just talking about. Yeah. And I had a beard and I had had a beard at that point for probably like two years. Yeah. And then we dated for a year. We're engaged for a year and then we'd been married for a year. So we'd been together for three years and she'd never seen me without a beard. What? And honestly, I hadn't seen myself without a beard in a long time. That's awesome. So for our one year anniversary, I shaved my face. Surprise! It was interesting. It burned way more than I expected it to. (laughs) I have such stupid little sensitive Caucasian cheeks. I forgot about not shaving in a while and then having some of those burns. And my stupid skin. My skin is so sensitive and just like pasty and... I had little stubble burns all over the place. Um, She was pleased with the result. You know what the first thing she said to me when she saw me? Oh, you look so cute. Oh, I miss your beard. I think that's the first thing I said to Brad. Really? (laughs) 
So we're at an hour and 51 minutes. Very good. Is there anything specific you'd like to talk about? Well, if anyone is interested in attending drum circles or coming out and drumming, it's, I usually do drum circles at Kentucky and a music center right across the bridge. It's Anna Blanton's music store. She bought out that whole sucker and she painted the building. It looks incredible. And I do a ton of like drum circles through them. She has a ton of like lessons of whether ukulele, guitar, mandolin, whatever you want to learn. There's an instructor there that will teach you. Um, so I love doing that in any kind of clinics or actually lately people have been asking if I'll come to their house and do like a drum circle and drink party, like a sip and drum kind of thing. So I come to the house and as long as like there's less than maybe 10 people, I feel like, and we're spaced out maybe in the backyard or whatever, we'll drink and I'll lead a drum circle. And if they want to learn like some drum parts first and then we'll jam, we'll do that. Or we'll just drink and jam. If and there you are can do whatever you want. Yeah. That sounds awesome. It's so fun yeah. just to think of new things I can do with people to connect us all. That's that's beautiful because I was talking earlier. I'm actually kind of embarrassed that we got so distracted from that because <laughs> I wanted to talk about that. Um, I've been to a drum circle a couple of times and it's just such an awesome experience because it is very inclusive. Yes. Everybody is just like jamming and like just interacting with each other and just yes. like connecting. And I could definitely see how people would be interested in like mm -hmm. having that experience with their friends and also learning how to play an instrument in the process. And just, it sounds awesome. Plus in my, when I think about it, I think also about like drum circles. I think about like ancient humans mm -hmm. and how like there, it's probably very true that like drum beats have a, a strong impact on what you're feeling and how you're feeling. Yeah. And like it was a, a big part of what early humans did was play drums with each other and like use that kind of like similar to kind of like how at church you worship together and like you sing right. together and you have like, I don't know, those kind of like trans transcending experience where you're like you're behaving yeah. as a group rather than as an individual. Yeah. And trying to create that yeah. in your backyard. Yeah. We haven't really talked about, and it's been a theme on the podcast up to this point, like dealing with anxiety and like trying to be like conscious and mindful of your mental health. Yeah. And in COVID, that's been a super challenging. And yeah. I've struggled with it a little bit. Um, it's it, it wasn't necessarily as clear to me before as it is now how much I rely on people. Yeah. People, touch, hugs. Yeah. Just interactions, period. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's really interesting because seeing it on, so I have clinical depression. It runs in my mom's family and it's just kind of like all the women have it. And so knew it early on, started taking medication for it just to try and like level out some of the stuff in my brain. And it's kind of like each day that we already wake up, we're already expecting and we're ready for the worst almost. Yeah. And so it's kind of like COVID. COVID is kind of like everyone else experience life in our 
in our way that we experience it every single day. It's kind of like, this is the world of unknown in a clinically depressed head. Mm -hmm. Like you never know when something's gonna feel better, like when something's gonna open, kind of like it all relates to yeah, just the unknown. But for you, it's more of like an emotional opening. And for the people who are experiencing now, it's like a literal like re-entry into what their life was like before. Right. And isolation has been tough. I don't know. I'd already been aware that I was going to also be dealing with like depression and anxiety because I'd seen it in my dad. And I think in a lot of ways, he didn't get the tools that he needed to deal with it until later in life. But I was really lucky because I was, first of all, I started having like anxiety in like middle school. Mm -hmm. And then I guess it almost came, became normal for a little while. And then I slowly kind of learned how to deal with it. And realized that it wasn't a normal way to feel. Mm -hmm. And that's why I kind of got interested in like psychology and sociology. That's why I'm interested in like some of those books that I was talking to you about, like Michael Pollan's book and stuff like yeah. that. Because I was trying to figure out like, what do I need to do in order to deal with how I'm interacting with the world and like being anxious and depressed and stuff like that. Yeah. And so now having this podcast almost every person that I've had on and talked to has talked to talked in some capacity about how they have been, dealt with anxiety and depression. And a lot of them decided that they thought therapy would be uh, beneficial for them. And you talked about that earlier. Mm -hmm. I love my therapist. Now, <laughs> of course I've tried therapy in elementary, middle high school, hated them. I was really? very, very, very against therapy um, all they wanted to talk about was my weight because, I mean, I'm smaller and my metabolism was fast. Not only was I drumming every single day, all day, I was on the basketball team. I was running. I was, I'm super active. And so they wanted to talk about my eating problems. Uh -huh. And I was like, I, I don't have eating problems. And so these therapists like were so fixed on what they thought was the problem that they didn't even care to really hear what I was talking about because they're like, no, 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 you can't be sad. Like your whole life is like your life is perfect right now. Like, of course you have nothing to be sad about. Right. And so they weren't really listening and they wanted to think that it was like an eating problem or something. Mm -hmm. And when I told them I was eating three peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for lunch, like I'm not kidding. Like <laughs> I'm not joking with you when I add two bowls of cereal, three bowls of cereal, mm -hmm. like I'm not being a smart ass on my piece of paper I'm being completely honest so found a therapist that I completely love but anxiety is a crazy thing playing in front of like Bruno Mars's crowd or in front of anybody um I mean I've played in front of thousands and thousands of people and that didn't make me nervous it mm -hmm. was more of exciting standing in line at Kroger waiting for my turn or waiting at a red light for it to turn green and I'm first in line and I don't want to make the person behind me mad, that is when my anxiety is skyrocketed. Like it's it's crazy. It like the small, tiny, tiny, tiny things that I'm super anxious over, but the things that like actually matter or like playing in front of tons of people, like that's more exciting. It's not. Yeah. 
It doesn't make me anxious or anything. There's a lot of things I wonder about that. I wonder if it has to do with like how well prepared you are when you go into like those situations, like mm-hmm. you, you know you can execute. Yeah. But the real thing that I want to talk to you about is how have you learned to deal with that? Like what are things that you've done as you as you get older and you learn more about your, your mind and how you work as a person? Like obviously you see a therapist. Like mm-hmm. what have been some of the lessons that you've learned that like you benefit from? Well, one of my favorite breakthroughs was talking about the internal voice. Um, are you a sports fan? Do you know Bobby Knight? Coach yeah, Bobby I know Bobby Knight. Knight. Yeah, okay. yeah. So when I wake up in the morning, it's Coach Bobby Knight. And it's like, you're you're lazy, you're waking up late, or like you slept in, or you snooze, like whatever have you, it's Bobby Knight. And so we had to detach my voice from Bobby Knight, like, and say, it's Bobby Knight. It's not me anymore. It's Bobby Knight taking over, being really, like, throwing chairs in my brain, like, so I've learned to tee up Bobby Knight, send him out of the, he's out of the game. He's got to take his chair with him. And I think of another person like either Brad or my best friend, Hannah, or my therapist. And what would they say as a coach coming in? Because right now, what I would say to someone, like, would I ever say this to anyone else or my best friends? Like, would that be my advice to them? Heck no. Even to a stranger? No. (laughs) Like, I would be so nice to a stranger on the side of the road, but yet I can't talk to myself that way. And so it's like, what would these coaches say to me? Um, because I'm very much sports minded and I like to mentally have that picture in my brain of like someone coaching or like someone saying like, you've got this or whatever have you. And so that has really helped um, kind of mentally picturing that I'm sending out the bad coach and putting in a better coach who's more loving and caring and about the self-care and like, no, no, no you're fine. Like you slept, you had a good sleep. Now let's get up in, maybe brush your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe switch some clothes. It's your switch to turn on the mindset that you know is going to help you be yes. happier and healthier yes. and more successful. I got to bring in that healthy, happy coach Yeah, because Bobby Knight is not doing it for me. <laughs> and it's interesting that you say coach because I know coaching has like become like a big part of culture recently. And I have a yes. friend who's like a diet coach. She's a dietitian and yeah. she has like clients. And I just really think it comes back down to like having strong and encouraging relationships with people, like people who like bring positivity into your life and like help remind you when like you are down the dumps, like you are depressed. Think about, think about the thoughts you're allowing yourself to think. And who are you hanging out with, with like if you're hanging out with a toxic person or a snake, would you allow that person in your room or like the snake to just chill around your room or would you want that poisonous snake out okay poisonous snake i want it out poisonous regular I'm old poisonous, snake i would probably toxic. be okay because it mm. might be an interesting I'm talking thing poison no i don't want that mm-hmm. no but i totally understand mm. what you're saying i understand <laughs> what you're saying uh it's but also like candles and um like there's this like weighted blanket that also helps i've really been interested in the idea of a weighted blanket for myself because I think it would help me sleep. Yeah. Um, because oftentimes when I'm trying to sleep, my mind will race. Yeah. Um, and I feel like if I were like held in place, it would be soothing. Yeah. yeah. I, so I can totally see how that would be useful. Um, I don't know. I, I 
I know there used to be a stigma around therapy and I think I experienced that as a kid. Cause so it's interesting for me to hear that you started going to therapy as a young, young person. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I never had that experience at all. It. Well, it was part of the, when your parents got divorced, you had to go to X amount of hours of therapy. Ah, that's interesting. And that was some bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's probably, you don't have enough time to really build a relationship no. with your, and you also don't want to cause you're a teenager. No. Yeah, I imagine that's challenging. Um, and they just want you to say, like, repeat after me. This is not your fault. It's like, okay, so I'm saying that. That's not me. Believe it that. Like, okay, I can play the game. <laughs> but now that you have a relationship with a therapist. And someone who I vibe with. Yeah. That's the most important part. Someone who's sarcastic. Someone who's going to give it right back to me. Like if I'm like, ooh, Brad did this and Brad did that. And she's like, well, you were kind of crazy, girl. Like (laughs) you got to bring it down a little bit. (laughs) So it's nice to have someone to put me in check and, you know, have someone that I really, really believe and trust in. What about like you say you exercise? Like I know that's super important for people's mental health. That's another trap that I get caught in. So... Even my goal on my morning list is to walk the alley mm-hmm. um, because she knows once I get started and once I have my shoes on and once I'm out and walking, it's going to be a longer walk than just the alley. But if I just have it in my mind, oh, I just have to walk the alley and then I'm done for the day. Like that's my exercise. Of course, once I get started every single time, it's like, why was it so hard to get started with this? Like, why were you fighting so hard? And there's no reason, no rhyme or reason. That's a cool trick that I feel like I could bring into my life and use. Cause I love to take Winnie for walks. Yeah. But also I like to take her on long walks. We'll cross Greenwood. Yeah. And we'll go back into these neighborhoods. We'll do about two and a half miles. Yeah. And sometimes it's really hard to get started. Yeah. The hardest part for me is getting started. Yeah. yeah. So I just have like a really easy, simple goal where I'm like, okay, this one strip, I can do that. I can do that. And of course, as soon as I'm out, I'm like, yeah, 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 it's feeling great. Like five miles today. Yeah. That's super fun. I I definitely think I need to listen to more music. And I'm going to check out a lot of the stuff that you guys are doing and the other bands and stuff like that. Yes. Come out to a show. Oh my gosh, that's that's what I really need to do. That would be so fun. Me and Sarah could come out. It would be a blast. I should get my bandmates in here too. I would think that would be a really, really and fun And give like really embarrassing band stories, like behind the band. That sounds wonderful. That would be so fun. You have no idea what happens on the road. I can't even imagine. I imagine a lot of crazy stuff happens. Just like... Okay, wait. I have one quick, really funny story. So... We were going, I believe it was a, so Emmy, Anna, and I with Southern Sirens, it was called, I'm trying to figure out the TV show, but they flew us out for our our audition in California. We made it to the top 70 and it was some kind of vocal show that was just one season and Rising Star, that's what it was called. It was called Rising Star and people had to vote in. And so they um they gave us gift certificates to like the Daily Grill. <laughs> so we made this whole song about like the Daily Grill. <laughs> it's where we chill. <laughs> it's like cuz that's our only food source that we got, but as we were traveling, 
they were talking about boiled peanuts to one of the auditions. And uh, the mom was like, does anyone want to stop for boiled peanuts? And I'm in the back. I'm hard of hearing. I've been playing drums my whole life in the pit, everywhere, like in orchestra, whatever have you. I can't hear very well, especially on my left ear. And I was like, what? What I heard was not what she said. And so we're having two completely different conversations. I was like, I have never heard of that meal. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) It ended up being boiled peanuts. Yeah. Well, if you're in the back of a van, what do you think that sounds like? I know exactly what it sounds like. Boiled peanuts. (laughs) What does that sound like? It sounds like boiled penis, which I would assume could possibly be a, a well, I thought a it meal. was a bull penis. A bull penis. Yes. I think that's probably also a meal in some places. Right, because I've had ox balls in Kenya and they were like really interesting. Like, yeah. I just had to throw that sucker down and just, <laughs> I just wanted to claim that I had yeah. an ox ball before. But yeah, I thought she was saying bull penis. So that's been like a huge band joke of like, I can't hear and I like bull penises. It's <laughs> <laughs> <His> snacks. <laughs> so whenever the boiled peanut sign comes across, it's like, oh, there's Kelsey, stop. I enjoy boiled peanuts. I've never had bull penis. But it you could be delicious. It could be delicious. You try it. I might try it. If I ever had the opportunity, I'll make sure. If I ever do, I'll let you know. Yeah, please document it so I can see. What's it like being on the road like... I imagine lots of crazy things could just happen. So many crazy things. And just you can't prepare for them. No. Because you're just traveling and like. And when people tell you they have places for you to stay. Oh my gosh. Not always. (sighs) There was a Sleepy Bear Saloon. (laughs) It sounds so cozy. It sounds so cozy. And it was like the typical scary movie beginning where you walk into and get your hotel key and the guy just has everything scattered and he's like super creepy. And so we get our hotel key. Finally, we go up to the room and we need to get ready for the show. And I believe we're in Arkansas. And so he we turn on the water. I like I run into the bathroom, turn on the water. It's brown. First of all, the beds like half kind of tossed around made probably bed mites. Like, oh my gosh. No, 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 no. Looked like a bear had been real cozy. L- yep. Definitely real cozy. In the uh, sleepy bear. Yeah. Gotten very sleepy. Yeah. That's gross. So gross. So we slept in the van that night. Oh yeah. <laughs> Took one for the team. I don't know, man, this has been a super fun conversation. I know. We'll have to do this again. For sure. Because I have plenty to tell. Absolutely. And I'll get the band in here. That would be awesome. Yeah. And Kyle and Jess. Yes. Yes. That would be so much fun. Yes. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for doing this. This has been so fun. I'm really thankful that you came out to do this. It's been super fun. And I'm totally interested in if you want to do something like this again, get more people in here. Yes. That would be so fun. Yeah. I love this kind of stuff. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Bye. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of the podcast and the end of our conversation with Kelsey. It was really awesome getting the chance to catch up with her. I had a blast with her in the studio. She was really fun, great energy. And she had some really great stories to tell to boot. 
Make sure you're checking out the stuff that she's doing on Facebook. Check out her bands, Southern Sirens, Krogan's Crossing, and Bungalow Betty, and all the other stuff that she was doing with Bridget Kalen. Make sure you check all that stuff out. And while you're there, head on over to JustFriends.pod on Facebook and check out the Facebook page. Check out the Just Friends podcast community group. Become a member of that group and communicate with other people who are listening to the show. Help build the community. And while you're at it, make sure you head over to the Just Friends podcast's new website, JustFriendsPod.com. You can learn a little bit more about the podcast and about me. You can check out the new awesome merch that we have available, which is really, really cool. And of course, you can listen to the newest episodes of the show and all the other ones as well. Guys, share that URL with people, JustFriendsPod.com. It's really the one-stop shop for all things Just Friends. It even has a link that you can click that will allow you to subscribe to Just Friends Podcasts on your favorite podcast player. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or whatever you're using, make sure you subscribe to the show. And while you're at it, leave us a rating and a review. We really, really appreciate it. We're at 4.5 stars on Apple Podcasts. We got some haters out there, but we're not going to sweat it. Let's just flood that page with five-star ratings and some super positive reviews. Don't forget to share this episode with anybody who you think would appreciate it. Spread the word about what we're doing here at Just I'm sure there's somebody out there who knows Kelsey and would love to hear this podcast, and you can make that happen for them, and I would really appreciate it. That's it, guys. I hope you all have a fantastic week. I hope you're excited about next week's conversation. Tune in next Sunday to check that out. And until then, I hope you all have a fantastic week. I hope you're taking care of yourself and taking care of each other. I love you all. Bye.